On this episode, cheese, cat motels, is math the worst subject, and bikepacking is a family. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. All right, welcome to another episode of the Almost There Adventure podcast. This one's pretty special. We are all in the same room together. Woo! Yeah. It's our first wow. live recording in quite a while, and we're very excited to have the Knoth family here with us. We have a milestone. We have our youngest guest, Max, who's going to be joining us. They are a bikepacking family based here in Bend, Oregon. They are amazing. And I'm going to let you all introduce yourselves. My name is Rob Knoth. I'm uh, the husband, dad, uh, you know, of the family. Um, My name is Max Knoth. I'm the son in the family. I am 12 years old and I go to Pacific Crest Middle School. <laughs> and I'm Don Ray. I'm the mom the wife, the one who gets cuddled. I'm the chibble. I'm the chibble. <laughs> and we've been uh, bikepacking together for nine years. Uh, we started when Max was four. Um, and we pretty much every year spend a month of nights outside camping, which usually for us, because we do a ton of overnighters, equates to about 50 days of bikepacking and about 30 nights sleeping outside. Um, and we go year round, uh, which we started doing a lot of about uh, three years ago. And that's just been an extra special treat to be going when it's quieter and not as many people. And, and kind of the other important caveat there, we're, we're doing all this, you know, month of nights camping and whatnot. Well, we both hold down full-time jobs and, and, you know, Max is obviously in full-time school. So, you know, it's kind of all about making sure that that adventure is integrated and part of your life. And it's not like a separate thing where you've got to be, you know, independently wealthy or, you know, living dirtbag out of a van. So, yeah. So, uh, 40, 40 nights, what does that look like? Is there, are those like two night trips, weekends, holidays, summer vacation? How do you do that? Usually we do the trips over weekends, but whenever we have a longer break, like spring break or winter break, we usually have enough time to drive somewhere out of state and go camping or stay here and go on like a week-long trip. Yeah, and so a a ton of those nights are, in the bikepacking world, what's like a a sub-24 out, an S240. And essentially it's... You're, you know, we will finish work on a Friday, work in school, and, you know, then Saturday morning you're packing up and either riding from the home or driving someplace close by and and riding. And it can be as short as, you know, a five-mile ride, a 15-mile ride, a 30, 40-mile ride. It all depends upon, you know, what you're feeling and what the conditions look like. Camp out, enjoy a night out and, you know, make some dinner and whatnot, and then turn around and somehow get back the next day and you know Sunday night you're getting cleaned up and Monday morning you're clocked back in and you know you'd be amazed how much you can fit those in you know in a busy life um you know and they just end up making everything richer and everything you know so much more wonderful and alive and you know they even if you're it's normally the case that when you're busiest and most stressed out and think you can you know fit them in the least that they are the most impactful and and most needed so i have one quick question have any of you ever broken any ribs on any of your your bike packing what why yes yes i have (laughs) not 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 no no so not during bike packing uh but um it was really interesting because you know Obviously, we started when he was four. He Max is no longer four, you know. Um, you know, he's a super tall twelve-year-old now. But you know, when we started, um, you know, he was. I was pulling him on the back of a little, like a you know, pull-behind bike. Uh, you know, for on my own bike, 
that evolved into, you know, a, a tandem mountain bike, um, you know, as he got bigger and as he started to pedal and it would, you know, capsize the bike. Um, and then, you know, he and I rode a tandem for a long time and that was super fantastic. Um, one summer on my birthday, I was mountain biking by myself, not on a bike packing trip. No, no family was injured here. And I was just dumb. And I, I, you know, went over the handlebars and broke a rib and um, got really depressed. And, you know, and that was just the healing process was horrible. Right. Um, <laughs> Everybody's looking at me for some reason. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but the great thing is, is that caused um, another evolution. All of a sudden, we didn't want to stop bikepacking, but it really wasn't safe for me to be captaining a tandem, you know, while sporadically I would be racked with pain. And so all of a sudden, Max starts, you know, just riding his own bike. And, you know, we did a four-day trip just going around a reservoir up in the Cascades um, with that setup where we were riding, you know, 10 mile days and it really turned the page to something where now, you know, like we didn't ever really go back seriously to the tandem. And now he's regularly clocking out, you know, 40 mile days, you know, on a loaded bike. Wow. And, and are you guys doing gravel bikes, mountain bikes? What kind of bikes are you guys riding? What did you start on and what are you guys riding now? Was the tandem? A, I guess they didn't really have gravel bikes. No, really the, the tandem was just a. It was a Cannondale uh, mountain bike tandem. Um, which, incidentally, if anyone wants to buy, we have one available. <laughs> um, but uh, we pretty much are on mountain bikes. Um, and you know, the, I think an important disclaimer is that you can bike pack on any bike you have. You don't need a fancy bike. You just need a bike. And, you know, backpacking gear and some bungee cords and you got it. Um, our family tends to gravitate towards uh, single track and, you know, more mountain bike oriented things. So what bike do each of you ride now? Mm. So Rob and I are very fortunate this past year. We both um, got custom bikes for the first time in our lives. So we uh, both ride Breadwinners. I have a hardtail from Breadwinner. They're a manufacturer out of or small hand um, artisans. <laughs> yes, bike builders out of Portland. Um, so I have a beautiful hardtail mountain bike, and Rob has a single speed um, from them. And then Max rides a hardtail trail craft bike. Um, which is he'll, he'll get a custom right when he yes. when he's done growing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, every six months you're going to have to get a new custom. When yeah. That's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a freewheel at least on that single speed? You're not. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Coasting is part of the game. Oh yeah. Okay. No, it's the best part of the game in my opinion. So. In a former existence, I, I bike commuted in Portland on a, a fixed gear, and um, that was a. It was really fun it was it was a great learning experience and i've never been more terrified than screaming downhill on a, a fixed gear and i can't imagine bikepacking i know people do but i can't imagine it so out of all of your adventures which are your favorite do you each have that one stand out this was the best trip ever max you first I wouldn't say so, but any trip where we get to camp at water is always nice for me and if we get to like have some views along the way or this past July 4th I believe when we went camping at Mount Hood getting to do the most elevation I've ever done in a day climbing Lolo Pass and Wadham Lake that was very memorable for me but considering it rained on us that <laughs> night it wasn't that <laughs> and nice. mosquito cyclone <laughs> yeah <laughs> memorable not favorite maybe no yeah. and, and you guys have a full tent right like rain yeah oh yeah yeah because we are we are in the pacific northwest i would hope you wouldn't be rain and and more than that um because we're in the pacific northwest but the whole west coast is essentially a, a desert and so it, it's more important about the bug screen you know than anything else mm -hmm. but yeah we carry that rain fly and use it Though the rain fly is also helpful for heat when we go camping in the winter. It'll trap that in, too. Yeah. <laughs> and the smells. <laughs> so you've done, uh, you, you do this year-round. Have you 
done bike packing every month, all 12 months. Do you want to talk about the challenge? Uh, yes, we have in 2020. It was 2021 was the year we did the whole thing. 2020 was the kickoff. So we did every month in 2021, and we tried to do that in 2020 and 2022, but we missed like a month each of those times, but we made it up some of the other months. And and that all really like started with um, uh, bikepacking.com, which is sort of like the big virtual community that we all are, are part of. Um, December of 2020, you know, obviously that whole year, so many people's plans got kind of changed, right? And, you know, so many trips got canceled, put on hold, whatnot. Um, in December, they had a event that they announced to everyone to say, we're going to have a good night 2020 camp out. And so between Christmas and New Year's, go on an overnighter, preferably, you know, from your house or around town and just kind of say goodbye to kind of a crappy year. And uh, so our family did that. We, you know, rode from our house and, you know, just a few miles out and camped out and, you know, the tent got flattened because of some wind. And, you know, it was just, it was a wonderful, horrible trip. And, <laughs> you know, the thing that was so wonderful about that, you know, we had bike packed a ton before that, but the concept of bike packing in December never really clicked. Um, and so we're all out there and we're like, you know, this actually is kind of rad, you know, let's, I wonder if we could keep this going. And so we made that commitment to ourselves that every month we were going to do it. And, you know, and 2021 was so eye-opening, really committing to that and not just, hey, let's go bike pack a lot, but really thinking about, you know, and there were some really challenging months in there with forest fires and, you know, like the, the summer and fall was actually harder than the winter uh, to keep that up. But that really opened our eyes so much about, you know, discovering this world that's all around us and, and especially in that time frame when, you know, exotic travel was kind of off the table, we discovered a ton of hidden gems, you know, right from our doorstep, not having to drive anywhere and, and you know, and really investing in this area we call home. And, um, you know, it's it totally changed, you know, who we are as people and how we look at all of this. And so do you all have a no repeat rule where you're always trying to find a new route or do you have like a, a couple favorite go to like, you know, this is going to make your heart happy and like it's the easy go to. Oh, we definitely, we repeat a lot that we love. Um, I mean, I just, when you asked about favorite bikepacking yeah. trips, I just thought about like my birthday weekend at the end of October. Um, it was like perfect fall weather and the colors, like all the larches were just phenomenal. They were just like all aglow and um, and I created a route that uh, just took in some of my absolute favorite things that are basically right outside our door. And it was just, it was such a highlight reel. And there was just like a teeny little bit that was new to us. And that was like jaw dropping, beautiful. But, and, and we camped in one of my like favorite, favorite places to camp. And it, there's such a magic in repeating places too, and repeating routes and, seeing them at a different time of year um and then also noticing how you've changed since you were last there or how we have changed collectively like um max was saying how we did a big trip around uh mount hood this summer and uh we did this past summer we did a big circumnavigation of mount hood but we've done pieces of that on other trips and there were times when Max and Rob were on the tandem or times when Rob and I were dating and living in Portland riding road bikes. It was just, it's when you're, it's like you're revisiting memories and weaving in new ones. It makes a, a great tapestry. Yeah, I, I would say that <clears throat> we don't tend to repeat the exact same trip very often we we have occasionally and, and for the longest time it was rare that we would ever camp in the exact same place that we had camped before but um i totally agree with what don ray said that you know it's been really fun now to kind of revisit some of those places but 
I would, it's rare if ever that we've repeated the exact same trip with the exact same route, you know, and the exact same campsites. Now, is most of this in Oregon or have you guys, you know, gone out of state, Washington, California, or any of the other states, or you stick mostly to Oregon? You answer. You Come on, talk Max. About, <laughs> you talk about so, Baja. Mostly uh, we stay in Oregon. Sometimes we go across state to Washington. But we have gone uh, to Baja. I rode the tandem with Dad, and we did the entire Cape Loop over a period of like one and a half weeks. It was really fun. We got to see quite a few cool places. First time that I like really saw a whole lot of stars. And we saw quite a few fish there. It was the first time we camped on the ocean. Awesome. And tacos. Tacos. Lots of tacos. Tacos for the win. Yeah, we had a, a ton of – I mean, that trip was, was, you know, going back to the favorite trips. It's hard for me not to, you know, pick that one, even though there's been so many trips we've had that have each are memorable in their own way. But that one was really special just in terms of really kind of opening my eyes to what's possible, you know, and, and really to kind of like remind myself, stop thinking small, like, you know, your family can roar and, you know, look what the world has available. Unfortunately, the pandemic kind of like came a lot, you know, crashing down on that. But now we're in the process of sort of reslotting some of those international trips that we had put on hold and, you know, looking at, okay, what can we do? You know, again, we're trying to fit this in with work and school. So, you know, over spring break, over summer vacation, over, you know, winter break, like where can we go? What can we do? And try to put those in. And have you done international trips outside of Baja before? Um, we've done international travel as a family, but that was our first international bikepacking trip. We had we were going to do Montana Spacchias in Spain in June 2020, and that got nixed. <laughs> but it is potentially on back the... on the schedule for June 2023. Yep. <laughs> wow. We're coming, Ernesto. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> So I have a specific question for Max. Max, how annoying is it to have to wait for your parents all the time? Um, not too bad. It's mostly when we go like AT skiing, I'll sometimes have to wait for them then. But usually when we're biking, at least one of them will be able to keep pace with me. Okay, good. You're not letting them draft off you either, I hope. They got to they gotta earn their own, right? They He's, too small. Yeah. He's too small. He's too small to draft. Yeah. It doesn't work. There's no drafting benefit there. I was told once I had the drafting profile of a wet cat. And I feel like you, and I, you and I both probably, there's no benefit being behind us. I am the complete opposite. People beg me yeah. like, to, to like ride with me because I'm a Mack truck. And I'm Can Mack you take point? Exactly. I, yeah. Honestly, it's, it's terrible. And then the worst is they go out in front and I'm just getting hit in the face with the wind. It's not fun. He but. mentioned uh, that climb up to, to Wadham this summer, like his, his biggest day. And that really stands out in my head, you know, because you, we've obviously all ridden together for many, many years. Right. And watching him grow as a cyclist has just been amazing. And, you know, the climb that we did it, it's sort of a classic Portland road climb and it follows this little crumbly ribbon of pavement that keeps crumbling more and more and more, you know, and giant, you know, slugs as, as big as a loaf of bread. And it was just like, you know, mist coming in on the sides and just to watch him start tapping it out and start flying away from us up and into the mist. And then like seeing him at the very top again, you know, just standing there, you know, with this look of pride, knowing what he had accomplished at, you know, the little line that someone's painted in the road that has a KOM on it. Um, that was Lolo. Yeah. It was just unfortunate then that, you know, what was a great celebration day ended with a horrible campsite and a flooded parking lot with mosquitoes. But, you know, hey, it's cycling. First, the next day... Uh, we got to stay in a hotel and have a rest day, and we were, like, going out to have dinner. We look up at where we would have camped that day if we hadn't done Lolo Pass and Wadham in one day, and it there was a thunderstorm up there, so I am pretty glad we did that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when you go on these trips, do you each have your own specific, and I actually kind of know the answer to this question, but do you each have your own roles? Who's in charge of what? And how do you divide and conquer the responsibilities? Um, I'm usually the navigational person. I know like everything about the bike computer we have. Um, and I carry a good amount of stuff, but my parents usually like make the route and they coordinate all of that. Yeah, and I um, I usually carry like all three of our sleeping mats and organize like all the food and carry most of that, although each of us has our own like snack preference. Um, yeah, mine's more like food and once we get to camp, creating our little cozy home for the night. She's also the designated camp sniffer. So at a certain point when you realize you're kind of done with the day, she like rotates out to the front and we just hang back and you know, it's hilarious. Like sometimes she'll ride an extra five miles above and beyond whatever we've done. And you just like see her kind of bopping along out there. And, and at the end, yeah, we, we have the best place ever. Um, but uh, on my bike, I tend to carry um, the tent, the cook, uh, like stove fuel, stuff like that, first aid kit, repair kits. Um, you know, all of us carry our own clothes, our own sleeping bags, you know, our own snacks. Are you guys doing more like, like, like freeze dried meals like that you would buy, you know, like prepackaged freeze dried or are you doing your own, creating your own recipes? What kind of meals do you guys do on the road? Um, everything except for dinner is all like we make our own, like, uh, um, which related to that, Max and I are very fortunate. Rob um, loves to get up early, and so he always gets out of the tent and makes us warm drinks and oatmeal in the morning. Uh, so we have like warm bevies, and then usually for breakfast, um, make oatmeal from scratch, and uh, we usually put like um, some turmeric creamer in there and. Uh, um, pumpkin seeds and coconut flakes and dried fruit and it's quite yummy some of us put honey in it uh, and then for <laughs> for lunch we uh, have roll-ups that we usually put like tortilla with either tuna or salmon and kale and cheese and avocado and some mustard um, and then I know. I just started to get hungry. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. They're, they're quite good. And then for dinner, we do do um, packaged meals. Uh, we are huge, huge fans of Food for the Soul, which unfortunately um, just closed. But those are our top favorite meals. We are lucky enough to still have some and also some of our top favorite people. Um, we, we love all- you, Julia and Henry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we also really like good to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We had the uh, we had Jen on. Yeah, yeah the, the we had the owner of Good Ooh. to Go. Yeah, oh, wonderful. she's awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. The chicken pho. Yeah. 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 And the Thai curry. Oh, the Thai curry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mushroom risotto girl. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. also yeah. That's a good winner one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I served the Thai curry once as a side <laughs> for a regular dinner. Oh. <laughs> and didn't tell his wife. I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> And she was like, this is really good. Where did, how did you, you know, I'm like, I'm not telling you until it's all oh, gone, awesome. you know. And, <laughs> so that's a testament to how good their stuff is. Totally. Yeah. It, and I don't think you can overestimate the importance of food on any adventure activity. But, you know, like cycling, there's such a huge, you know, as opposed to backpacking, you can carry so much more calories. Um, you're also expending them. But we've really worked hard over the years to make sure we're, Eating food we like um, and eating enough of it. And pretty happy about that. And, and how did you, before Max, it sounded like you were cycling before Max. How did you guys get into cycling? How did, uh, how did you two even meet? Was it through cycling? Like, uh, tell us your sort of cycling origin story. Um, so uh, this is a fun story. So Rob and I met when we were both asked to be on the same team for the pole pedal paddle, which is a multi-sport event here in Bend for anyone who doesn't know Um, and I had never met Rob in person we were living in Portland at the time Um, but we were going to carpool from Portland to Bend together like three plus hour drive so Rob came to pick me up at my apartment and he's wearing the same marmot wind shirt like exact same marmot wind shirt that I have 
and a poly, like a blue polypro shirt underneath, which is like the exact same shirt. I mean, we had like the same. We were it, twinning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we had this drive together and it was just like every there were it was like the best first date, non date. Like there we talked about everything um, and there were just so many ways we aligned together and so many aspects of how we lived our lives. Um, so fast forward, we started dating and, um, got married a year and a half later. But at that point I had ridden, I had been riding longer than Rob and had ridden longer distances, but Rob was much more consistent rider cause he was commuting by bike every day. And we first fell in love riding road bikes um, and did a ton of road riding and then full on spandex goo energy packets (laughs) you know riding centuries and real riding that's what i call real riding when did did it all go wrong when did it all go horribly wrong fat knobby slow bikes when did that like when did that happen when did you lose your way lose your way in life mountains were calling But we, um, when we moved to Bend, we got into mountain biking. And then when I was pregnant with Max, um, and then when we first had Max, I feel like that's when we started kind of tag teaming exercise a lot more. And Rob took off more in mountain biking and I kind of stuck with road biking a little bit more. And then um, it was Rob that got really intrigued by bike packing and he did all the research, figured out how we could try it and make it work with what we had. Um, and then once we started doing that, I w- will say I was a little reluctant at then maybe a little cranky the first <laughs> couple times, but it was that um, it opened up this world where Rob and I could still be who we were, like what really drew us both to each other and where we both really shined, where we continue to shine. And then we got to share that space with our son. And it's just, I feel like it's the, um, it's the space where we really live our values and our priorities. And uh, that it's golden time to me, golden time. Like I just feel like we're closer and more connected with each other and as a team and we're more connected to ourselves because of the time we spend together out there. So would you be more proud of Max for climbing that pass, that that high peak, or getting an A in a bad subject like math? I would be. (laughs) (laughs) I think Max can answer this one. Yeah, Matt, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if math is a bad subject. It's the worst subject. <laughs> I am most proud when Max is Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is as long as he's being who he needs to be in the world. So He so, does a pretty awesome job at that. Yeah. So I have a question. So, you know, as a kid, you invite your friends over a sleepover. You invite friends over for the family vacation. Do friends ever get invited for the bikepacking trip? Are your friends like, nope, not a chance? <laughs> um, one of my friends already goes bikepacking a little bit, so we have gone bikepacking with them a few times. And it has been quite fun. We've joined them for like their yearly climb up to like Mackenzie Pass, and that has been really fun to do. Nice. Cool. Do a lot of your other like friends ride? Do the people in your in your school ride? Or I mean like seriously ride, not just like ride to school? Um, a few people ride, I know, but most of them, like, do, like, trick riding or something. Like, they'll try and get, like, big air instead of, like, go, like, long distances. And do you think you're always going to do this? Are you going to keep riding, like, you know, when it's not with your family? I mean, hopefully you're always going to ride as a family, but, you know, do you think you're going to start riding off on your own when you uh, graduate and are off working and all that? Yeah, it is a very nice, like, mind-clearing experience to do, and... You always learn new things and learn, like, you get to experience new things. And you get to be alone with your thoughts, so that can be really refreshing. You learn way more than you do in any math class. 
<laughs> Sounds like it's a much better life experience just to be on your bike. Yeah. Okay, so you have some international trips. Dreaming of some international trips. Sounds like Spain is unfinished business. Yeah. And then do you have any other that you're sort of eyeing? What are like your top three if you could go anywhere? There's a lot. I mean, like the if I, I think back to like what really opened my eyes about um, what's possible bike packing, um, Johan Gugierov, uh, the bike wanderer who sadly took his own life uh, during the pandemic, um, he published a set of videos called See the World. And it blew me away as someone who is just kind of getting into bike packing and he was a solo guy who started riding at Prudhoe Bay and was, you know, headed around the world, right? And he was riding a fat bike and just going always off kind of the beaten path, didn't really have like a firm fixed itinerary, taking years to ride what, you know, like you guys mentioned, you know, Mark Beaumont, right? Who, you know, amazing athlete right sets this amazing time going around the world and and that's phenomenal i would say johan was the polar opposite of that you know taking the time petting the dogs you know like letting his curiosity lead him where did that road go what happens over there you know how long can i make my food stretch here and that really called to me you know, because it's so easy to see these uh, races that are out there or FKTs or, you know, and, and it, that takes a special breed of person. But I think I really realized through watching these, you know, video travelogues that Johan made of just the adventure and mischief that's out there and, you know, what that can do to you in your life and how much richer you know, it can make everything. So long story short, there's a lot of places out there. I, I would love for us to, you know, like we did the tip of the Baja divide, riding the whole Baja divide, I think would be totally magical. Um, here in our own backyard, you know, we've got the Oregon timber trail. Um, you know, we've, we volunteer on that and do, a, you know, a bunch of, you know, trail work and other work with the, the organization. I'd love to through ride that, you know, someday, um, there's, the world is, is full of so many cool places to go get lost. It's, it's really hard to, to say. And Max, since your parents have been such a bad influence on you, have you thought of uh, getting into road biking and kind of doing like Uh, no, not very much. I don't like riding next to cars. I don't like camping where cars can go. I think there's a much bigger world out there than where road biking can take you. It might be able to take you far, but... Faster. (laughs) (laughs) Max is my hero. Good answer. So speaking of faster, I know because you're the one that knows how to operate the computer. What is the fastest you have gone on a bicycle now? Um, I don't... I believe it is 45. I was going around like one turn on a paved path and it got that for like half a second but i still do remember that but the longest consistent one do you remember from baja the longest straightest downhill oh yeah i don't remember the speed for that but that was honestly kind of a scary downhill it's like a super straight really crowded pavement road with like no drop off on the edge so like takes a really long time to get down you can't pause it's really loud um then we dropped down, we got to like be at like a bungalow for the next few days, so that was pretty fun. We cooked some brake pads on that downhill. I might still have some of like the discs that we used to have on that, and like you can see where the brake pads are, they're like completely like clean and shiny <laughs> from like. Yeah. So, what's the longest trip that you guys have been out on? How many nights? It was either the Cape Loop or when we did from home to um, Mackenzie Bridge. I'm no, trying the to Cape think. Loop Cape was Loop? Okay. Yeah. But the Cape Loop would be like every other night was we did camp, we did alternated kind of camping and, and hotels. Um, I'd say like probably the longest that we've, oh, that Grant County Loop. 
We oh, camped yeah, almost every night except for one. In the cat motel. In the cat motel. <laughs> and yeah, we... No, I'd say like, you know, our longest typical trip would be about a week out. Um, you know, but it's... And, and that's just more of a function of us not having, you know, like we can't just like knock off for a whole month and go ride. I would love that. <laughs> Y'all just recently did a trip up in the San Juans, right? Yeah. How is that? That was really fun. Uh, got to see some seals. Um, we rode on Lopez, San Juan, and Orcas. Would not really recommend San Juan. It's quite crowded. There's not a whole lot of like trails or more like uncrowded pavement roads you can ride on. We only rode on that one day, and then. Conveniently, the one day it rained was when we were there. But Orcas and Lopez are really nice. Lopez was great. We saw, like, almost no cars, even though we were on, like, pavement most of the entire time. That was, I believe, where we saw the seals. Then Orcas, we stayed there the longest. That was really fun. But we would ride out to a hotel, um, sleep there, do a loop back to the hotel, and then the next day, like go to the ferry, take the ferry to another island, and then ride to a hotel there, and then we'd repeat. Yeah, we, we did that over Thanksgiving, so like just planning that and knowing that the weather could be iffy, um, we booked like Airbnbs every night, but it was so fun to go when it was not crowded, and it was a place that none of us have ever been before, and I've been super curious, so it was a great time of year to be there when it's all like, moody and green and yeah it was fun and i'll say like you know it's a lot of times when people think bike packing right it's like you got to be really remote and you got to like you know use your tent and whatever or otherwise it's you know and it's been really wonderful to kind of blur the lines between traditional sort of bike touring and you know bike packing and you kind of get the best of both worlds you know um and it's especially for a trip like you know we did in the San Juans. I think I still have post-traumatic stress disorder from planning trips only to have them dashed against the rocks of weather, and you know, and, and that seasonality, and you know, having to hit okay, well, spring break is this exact set of days, and we need to make sure we can do this. Um, being able to, you know, open up to staying in hotels when you're out doing these things, it really helps make sure that you're, yeah, you might get a little wet when you're riding, but you're still going to do the trip. It's not like, well, we planned this trip and we're not going on it. And, you know, and it can take a long time to piece together a trip and look at water sources and, you know, make sure that you've got right of way to camp on the land and et cetera. And so to plan a week-long trip and then have to cancel it can that can hurt so it's it's nice to have trips like that that are guaranteed to go showers and hot tubs and all those kind of things and restaurants aren't that bad either when you're yeah baby that's not the that, that's how i do it so. yeah of course i'm a roadie so i'm not on camping anyway and, and these guys like to watch teen titans in the morning <laughs> there is that and we did start watching Andor on the on those trips and other like TV shows, so that was also really fun to do in the evening. Yeah, so, Andor was awesome. That somebody was, else like, don't spoil anything. We're not done yet. So after episode <laughs> six, somebody else was just like, "Have you seen Andor yet?" I'm like, I don't have Disney right now. <laughs> All right, so walk us through. You want to plan a new trip, someplace you haven't been. Walk us through sort of your planning process and how it goes from an idea, you know, to fruition yeah well i'll use uh, montana spacius for an example because uh when we initially had planned to do that it was june of 2020 and um actually rob did pretty much all the planning before that got next um uh, but at that point when we had looked at doing the trip it was based on max and rob riding the tandem and what those kind of days look like um, and then just the logistics for trying to figure out how you get a tandem 
on an airplane, um, which was a stressful part of going to Baja. Yeah, I mean, it seems like renting would make more sense if you're going to Spain, because like, it's so expensive to get the bikes travel these days. It, it's, I mean, now that that's the, you know, like, um, don't judge situations too quickly. Like, the, yeah. the upside of having that trip canceled is now we're on our own independent bikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going to Baja, let's just say, God bless you, Alaska Airlines, for looking the other way at two bike boxes taped together as <laughs> one extra large bike box. So um, it all worked. But, but, I mean, back to your question as far as the... I think almost all trips for me start with... Um, an idea of of a romance of of you know there's got to be some kind of hook right for Montanus Bacchias like um, Ernesto Pastor the the man who created the route um, he's done this more as a campaign to kind of raise awareness for this area of Spain that's kind of being depopulated and you know like as people die there's not new people moving into the place and so he created this route to sort of showcase this area and he's did a, has done a, a marvelous job of showing resources and places and you know cool roads that aren't necessarily the famous places um but like for things around here and and you know at the start of our bike packing um you're going to get it either from like looking at a map and just getting curious about what's that out there and you know like I haven't seen that and I wonder if that connects to there and and then, you know, you go that next level, right? And now we're in this wonderful age where you've got so much online resources like bikepacking.com, you know, where they have other people's trip descriptions and things like that, that you can kind of piece some stuff together. Uh, sites like Ride With GPS that are phenomenal planning resources so that you can really start to, you know, in Oregon, we're blessed with this wealth of old logging roads that are in varying states of returning to nature. And so being able to flip between, you know, satellite view and regular view and, and say, okay, well, this says it's a road on the map. Is it really a road? Or, you know, vice versa also happens too, where, you know, you can see that there's, there should be a connection, even though there's not a road on the map. And, a big, a huge thing for us, especially, you know, in, in the American West, um, is to think about water, right? Like it's not an easy thing. And especially, you know, when we started, we were maybe governed at about 30 miles a day max. And so being able to plot routes in a desert and have enough water, um, that gets really logistically challenging. But so there's just a lot of concerns about that. You got to kind of start with, a dream that gets you to a certain place and then you do a pretty broad cast of research to look for different information on the area and then you kind of start doing the math and you <laughs> break it down into you know like distances do and, <laughs> and elevations and you know where you need resupplies and and whatnot um but i think for me all of that hard logistics planning part um is you still always have to kind of keep in mind what's my idea? What am I trying to get out of this? Is it a is, is this just a fun weekend where we just need to all get out and sleep under the stars, or are we trying to really ride our bikes and and push it? Um, I would say in general, if it's an overnighter, I think usually it's Rob or I just takes the charge and creates a route and we just go out and ride that. And it's not going to be like super far from home. So it's pretty easy to, to just accomplish. And then it's fun, like riding each other's routes or it just like, Ooh, what's, Oh, they, they went here. What a like cool place to go. If it's a bigger trip, um, it's all of what Rob just said. And then I think usually Rob and I both kind of like go into our little caves and start like doing the math and <laughs> and creating different route versions and then get together and kind of start melding those together um, and we we each kind of look at the different logistical pieces um, and then together start mind melding and and then um eventually out of that whole process comes a hopefully great trip 
or definitely an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and do all of your trips have like plan A and then plan B and C? Like, you know, the bailout Fre- the bailout options, the stuff goes wrong option, all those Frequently, things. yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of times like as, you know, like when you'll have kind of the main idea of the trip, but then almost always we will, we've been, you know, um, we've learned from past mistakes. And so rather than just being like, well, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not feeling it right now. Maybe this road will go. We'll usually plot a couple early bailout ones um, and then always download those to our devices so that way we can pull it up when things don't go according to plan. Summertime, think a lot about, like, you know, if there's potential wildfire, what we would do, how we would bail, uh, you know, and that sort of stuff. So it's... Once you have the bones of a route together, being able to permutate it to create those easy bailouts, that is such a great investment to take the mental weight off when you're actually riding the route to be like not worried anymore and be like, okay, yeah, if something goes wrong, I know I've got a few aces up my sleeve. Or longer options too. Or longer options have happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only time in history longer options have ever happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, do you guys, She's how do you handle, like, yeah, how do you guys handle, like, are most of your things loops? Do you have point to point? How would you handle that? Would you, like, take two cars and leave one at the beginning and the end? How to, or do you have people picking you up? Does that ever happen? Or do you usually try to do, like, a loop where you begin and end in the same spot? We, we do do out and back sometimes. Um, we have very rarely done point to point just because of that. There's, uh, one longer trip that we did on the nut, the North Umpqua Trail, where we had we shuttled two cars and had one at the end, one at the beginning, and then another time we rode from home and then stashed a car at somebody a friend of ours' house in McKenzie Bridge um, and just rode from our house to there and then got our car and drove back. But um, yeah, in general, loops or some version, a, a lollipop or something like that. Um, really, like Rob and I both, um, we like to go far afield and see new places. And we also both really don't like to be in a car for a really long time or depend on a car or like just the environmental impact of that just kind of it just mess trying to balance those two poles is uh, um, something that we consider in all our trips. I got a question about bike packing in the winter months and snow. So are you you camping on snow and that sort of thing? What and you got to carry extra gear and extra layers and tell me a little bit about what that's like. Down pants. <laughs> poopy pants. It's all about the poopy um, pants. So yeah. It, I would say that most of our winter riding, um, you know, so Don Ray and I have fat bikes. Max, God bless his soul, has never had the fatter tires and he still perseveres um, <laughs> um, on the skinnier tires. We tend in the winter months to be riding on frozen dirt as opposed to snow. Um, that is not always the case. Um, and so, you know, we've, We've camped um, on snow before, um, and it's it's no different than backpacking on snow, right? That you're going to – everything gets just that one degree more complicated. The, the one thing that because we're not doing like big, you know, Iditarod type fat biking as opposed to when you're mountaineering or ski camping, you know, and you're going to count on melting snow for water – we never have kind of that much snow. And so you're packing all the water that you need. You want to make sure that water doesn't freeze. Um, you are packing extra stove fuel because of the extra hot drinks, the extra time it's going to take to warm stuff up. Pogies and down pants are really nice. Um, you know, all your gear is that much more voluminous. And, and But I think for us, what's been magical about the winter trips has been that it's a great, it's very introspective, you know, like you're not trying to knock off some big, hairy circumnavigation of a mountain. You're just trying to spend a night outside in the winter. And 
so you know like this last good night 2022 camp out um we rode from our house and don ray like you know just kind of guided us around a bunch of neighborhoods in town and so we're riding on a bunch of greenways and sidewalks and whatnot and it was just kind of fun and playful and we ended up just a few miles from our house by the time we were done with our loop and just camped out for that night and then took the short way home and you know so it's like your goal and your objective for us at least changes a lot so that it's not like a you know middle of alaska true winter biking thing but it sure as heck is winter and the water bottle sure as heck freezes and you know that night sure is long so that was gonna be my next question so shorter days longer nights what games are being played in the tent as you're trying to entertain yourselves or how what how do you each do you I'd say play our, games do you yeah. each have your own individual little you know thing that you do in the tent the um, favorite game is how long can i stay in the sleeping bag and knock it out and pee <laughs> that game is is that never is gets old yeah. <laughs> i'm not good at that game <laughs> uh usually it's reading sometimes we bring like uno or a card game but Usually we all just have our own books to read or multiple books if we finish the one we have. Reading and math. (laughs) You're not supposed to do math on vacation. That's terrible. (laughs) So what do you guys, is there like summer when you're riding in the summer conversely, because we're talking about winter. If you, I know Max already said you guys love camping by a lake or a body of water. Do you go in? Do you swim? Yes. Ride? Oh, right. God, Good yeah. Answer. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. Regardless yeah. of the the temperature of the water, it's like even if all you do is just cannonball in and get your butt right back out, it's soul cleansing. So you're much less smelly in your summer rides than your winter rides. Yes, sir. All right. Good to know. But the smell is still there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Don, right? <laughs> um, sleeping in a tent with two guys. <laughs> How stinky does it get? I actually think it's not very stinky in the winter. Um, summer, it can be it can be stinky. Odiferous. Th- <laughs> yes. And also, depending on the food that gets eaten, nah. the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I will say as somebody who, like, most of the... Um, bike packing we do in Oregon when you're like camping near water it's cold uh, and these guys are can get into just barely over freezing water <laughs> and have a great time I will say one of my favorite pieces of gear is a washcloth um, I love a washcloth because then you dip it in whatever ice cold water and you can scrub off dirt and grime um, it's even like even when I go swimming, it's hard to get all that stuff off, and a washcloth can feel so, I don't know, it makes you a new person. That's a good thing. So speaking of comfort, can each of you tell us one thing that you bring as like a comfort item or one thing that you found that makes your, your bikepacking experience more comfortable? Mine's the washcloth. Okay. I would say a blanket or my Kindle. I do really like to read, and I do that pretty much all the time we're at camp. <laughs> We all also bring a extra mat that we can lay out on the ground since we bring inflatable mats, and they have been known to burst, so we don't put those on the ground. So I would say those are my comfort items. Fun trivia fact, I'm still using the same space blanket mat that I had on the PCT. Um, oh, it's wow. still rocking it. <laughs> wow. yeah, I remember buying that in Lone Pine and cutting it in half for my hiking partner and I, and I still have my half. Uh, but um comfort item um a flask of bourbon or tequila Um, is it hard to keep max from stealing that from you (laughs) no 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 he recognizes the crippling effects of caffeine and booze (laughs) that have turned his old man into a daughter (laughs) so he stays sharp um how dare you talk about coffee that way (laughs) and whiskey but but yeah like a little you know the flask is a good one i used to uh carry a fly rod um that was really fun um cheese 
Does cheese count? Uh, yeah. Cheese, yes. cheese counts. Yeah. Well, and you guys yeah. also used to carry a whittling kit for a long yeah, time. Yeah, we made spoons. Oh, yeah, that cool. was really yeah. fun. I, I thought for sure Rob was. I thought for sure Rob was going to go with chamois cream as another guy. Chamois cream? Yeah, no, 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 okay. no. We don't ride far enough for that. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's critically important to actually make sure that everyone has one of those, and I would also advise for anyone who's thinking about going on a, a bike packing trip don't forget to pack the fun you know and i mean dessert yeah and just dessert. Gonna ask that you guys i'm yeah. gonna ask if you bring chocolate if you oh heck yeah. yeah and snacks snacks yeah. are good too what are your favorite snacks what are your riding snacks man? um we bring chips cheese um dried fruit is really good sausages um like M&M's. All those cool little like sugared apple chews that we're Yeah, right so now. yeah, we have like apple chews. They taste and like they have like the same texture as apple pie, but they're like really um packable. Marketed choice, right? Like tell me more. Tell me more about this apple pie. <laughs> about this sweet treat. Yeah. No, and snacks can't be overlooked. I mean, like and making sure everyone has snacks they like um, is key. Is there a snack that you guys fight over? on the trip or steal does somebody steal like someone else's snacks when they're not looking no not the snacks but i have to say the food for the soul ratatouille yeah so like it it was heaven in a bag right and you know so we would normally each have there'd be like three little single serving meals and so we'd make those and the intention was always to kind of rotate right so that you're all getting some of the and for some reason the ratatouille would show up at someone's dinner and never make it onward to anyone else's and so we had to always like remind them this is communal and then don ray just started packing more than one ratatouille so So do you have, you know, for your short trips, you said a lot of times it's just like that weekend mentality of just making it work, wake up Saturday morning, get out the door. I imagine that you have like your go bags in your garage where you're just sort of have that basic setup. So you're not really thinking about it. You're just grabbing whatever fresh food. What does that look like? Um, So that's, I would say we have a very dialed system. So kind of it, this piggybacks on an earlier question you asked about like how each of us kind of has our system on the bike and what we carry. This is also same system pre-planning and even unpacking too. Um, But one of us will take over route planning or we'll just like be like, let's do this, but with that's that route start and that route end kind of thing or whatever. But one of us will do the route um, I pack all the food. And so in our pantry, we already have like a whole bunch of dinners that are ready. And then like, um, just lunch little stuff, lunch snacks. stuff. We pretty like this, that stuff is kind of always, it's always stocked. We always have like snacks and then like, we always have the ingredients to make like the oatmeal mix. Um, so I get all of that prepped and then do my own clothes and sleeping bag and stuff and usually get a lot of max's clothes and stuff um and then rob takes care of like packing up all the other group gear that he talked about like the tent and making sure like all the cooking stuff outside of the food is all dialed and then he's um a in a fantastic bike mechanic so he'll also make sure like our bikes are always in working order and there's no issues there um but that's pretty much usually a friday evening afternoon sometimes very early saturday morning but um generally like friday um evening afternoon and then saturday morning we're ready to go yep we have been known to like get ready in a few hours and then go biking then Mm-hmm. So we yeah. do have a very quick turnaround time. Yeah, and I, I I can't like over like oversell the the value of that dialed system for any kind of adventure because I think there's so many dreams that have gotten dashed against the I'm too busy I've got this going on I don't have time to get that together okay next weekend we'll go or the weekend after that and then something else happens and so I think we've been successful at getting out as much as we have just because 
we're a team and we all know what we are uniquely responsible for and we have trust in our teammates and know that they're doing their jobs and then we are able to very easily just deal with what is unique about this trip or this weekend or this time constraint that we have or the weather window and you just make the tiniest little tweaks to that system and you can still make it happen. I mean, I would say what we pack though too is pretty simple. Like we're, and I feel like we've done it this enough that it's not, I mean, basically pack a shirt to ride in and a shirt to change out of. And I mean, you know, like one or two, maybe two pairs of socks. And it's just, it's, especially for an overnighter, there's such a minimal amount of stuff that you need that it's pretty easy to. It also helps, I think, with the frequency that we go because you're not like having to be like, okay, where the hell did I put that X, right? Because chances are less than a month ago, you used all or most of this gear. And also the more frequent you're going, the more you're already kind of adapting to the seasons as they're changing. And so you've started to rotate out the super lightweight gear and you're starting to carry the heavier gear, you know, and and vice versa. So Max, why do you love, what do you love about bikepacking? Um, just getting out there and being able to see things, having like a different experience that can make like the weekends feel really long. Cause with overnighters, you still have like half a day on both Saturday and Sunday that you're at home. So it can make weekends feel like three or four days instead of like two and then getting being able to clear your head and being at peace there, that's very nice. Do you ever get in fights and disagree? Like, do you ever have those hangry, oh, grumpy, God, yes. yelling moments? Because it sounds very kumbaya right now with what we're, you know, it sounds like, oh, no, like, it's all no, love like and it, happiness. <laughs> that's, that happens, and to varying degrees, right? I'd say every trip there's there's some of that, right? Because, you know... When you're out doing these kind of any kind of adventure, there's a little bit of that type two fun, you know, that it's not fun when you're doing it. Right. And so you you're not always going to be your best self. Right. But you're your honest, authentic self. And, you know, you're seeing each other at highs and lows and learning how to deal with your own highs and lows and other people's highs and lows. Is, is key. Yeah, I would say um, definitely like we've had some like times getting snippy at each other. And I would say one of like uh, we did a birthday, a, a bike pack trip around Rob's birthday a few years ago. And Rob and I got into a disagreement that I feel like actually was one of the most it was a pivotal was a pivotal mark in our marriage of, I think it really, uh, we had some really great conversations coming out of that like conflict and just this feeling of both of us kind of operating from this ultra independence space and realizing how much that was making us both islands versus knowing that we could rely on each other more than we were doing at that point um and and also just realizing how different each of us are and i think that i'm to piggyback on what rob just said too i yes for sure we all have had like conflicts on different trips but i think the one thing that bikepacking has really taught us is being in that space and seeing how each of us reacts differently and the sticky points for each of us i feel like we've become more compassionate to each other and learned how to when somebody's in that space for them you've got to you've you've got to honor that you've got to honor honoring it is going to be the fastest and best way for all of you to flow through it. Um, And I think that that's been the most or one of the most important lessons that we've learned bikepacking together as a family. Yeah, yelling at someone and when they're in one of those spaces might, you know, cause them to turn the pedals that you need them to turn in that moment, but you're not gonna get them on another trip. And, you know, and I think that we've really learned, you know, I know my, 
parenting style and, and marriage style has been dr- directly influenced by those exact, you know, disagreements, arguments, learning lessons. Um, yeah, Rob will, Rob will make any sort of experience that he's going through there. He can pretty much always spin it positively and take a optimistic view. Or as actually Max and I were just talking about this yesterday, Rob's glass is always like three quarters full at least. <laughs> Whereas like if something, if Rob, or if Max and I are struggling with something, like we want to kind of be pissed about it and angry. Um, and I think it, there, just a small example, I think that was a learning moment for for Rob to not feel like that was um, something that he had to fix or also that it was in some way some reflection of something that he did wrong wrong, or if he made the route like that was just like how max and i like got over it where and hangry is hard right <laughs> Amen. not everyone can not everyone can do it with a smile on their face yeah cheese yeah cheese, <laughs> cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right flavors of cheese yeah. very important questions Spring oh cheese, cheddar cheese it depends Pepper upon cheese? the year like the the time of the year, like okay, you know, in the summertime you want those nice hard cheeses, yeah, right? Wintertime you can go a little softer yeah, or not, right. but okay. some good, you know, Spain, French, like you know, kind of sheep and goat, yeah. Rob, no cheap cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> Rob has a relationship with the cheese counter woman at Market of Choice. They have a special friendship. Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute delight talking to all of you this evening. And thank you so much for coming on, sharing your experiences, sharing both the good and the bad and the hard things that all go into this. And I personally can't wait to uh, hear about more adventures and see where you're going and see if Spain happens. But for people who are interested in bikepacking, I know you guys do routes on uh, bikepacking.com and stuff. So how could people maybe find out more about you all and the routes that you do? Um, so we do routes on Ride with GPS. Right? Well, yes, Rob yeah. does have a, yeah. a route on bikepacking.com, but we're Ride with GPS ambassadors. Um, so if you go to ridewithgps.com, if you put in our last name, K N O T H, um, in the search function, our routes will come up. Um, you can also follow either Rob or I on Instagram and reach out to us there. Um, my handle is. Uh, at D-A-W-N-R-A-E, and Rob, K, K thank you, <laughs> sorry. My handle is <laughs> at D-A-W-N-R-A-E-K, and Rob's is at R-O-B-K-N-O-T-H. Um, and feel free to reach out to either of us with que- que- any questions, we're happy to answer them, um, but yeah. Or apparently math problems. Yeah. Or math problems. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ATAP. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women, that's Adventure US Women, Jeff at The SoCal Hiker, or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On the next episode, we talk to through hiker and through hiking trainer, Lee Welton. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.